Hi everyone, my name is Dana and welcome back to the Femme State Podcast, where we discuss historical women in politics who often go unrecognized. Today's episode is part two of our series on Benazir Bhutto. If you want to listen to part one first, make sure to check out the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. In the last episode, we last left off where Benazir Bhutto had just finished up her education overseas and had now returned to her homeland to basically take over her father's political party after the whole coup that happened. I'm not going to get too much more into detail because I do talk about that in the previous episode, but just as a little recap, she is now back in Pakistan and she has just basically inherited her father's political party of the PPP after a coup overthrew his government. And shortly afterwards, actually, in December of 1988, she became the first ever female prime minister. And this wasn't only of Pakistan, but also of a Muslim nation in general. So as you can imagine, this was a pretty significant deal. It was garnering a lot of media attention internationally as well. So there's not really too much more to say about her election, so let's get into her first term. So basically at the start of the term, she formed a really fragile coalition with several independent parliamentarians from her home province. Um, But the problem is that they basically left this coalition shortly after, I think only basically a year after it was formed, due to some significant ethnic tensions in that province. So by losing their support, Budo was unable to pass a lot of her legislative agenda. And for context, a lot of this included issues such as addressing widespread poverty, corruption, as well as increasing crime rates in the country. But at the same time, unfortunately, she also basically suffered the consequences of her really discoordinated and tense relationship with the military leadership. Because if you remember from the past episode, basically, Ever since her father ran the PPP, um, her family's relationship with the country's military was very, um, it wasn't cohesive at all. And I think this is a trend that we can see a lot, especially even into today, where oftentimes in a lot of countries, the military leadership and governmental leadership often really don't match up. Um, But basically, just a little over two years later, after she, um, a little under two years later, sorry, she took the prime minister position. The president of Pakistan, because they are two separate roles, um, basically just dismissed her government and accused her of corruption and a lot of other um, political crimes, which increased calls for new elections in the country. And obviously, Um, Her party, the PPP, suffered a lot of criticism due to these corruption charges and ultimately were defeated in the national elections just a couple of months later in October of that same year. So at this point, Benazir Bhutto led the opposition party against her successor, which was Prime Minister Sharif. 
So Budo obviously did get reelected, considering the fact that she ended up serving two terms. In October of 1993, just three years after she was ousted from office, the PPC was again able to win a plurality of votes. And this time, it did succeed in beating out the incumbent Prime Minister, Sharif, as well as his Pakistan Muslim League, which was abbreviated as the PMLN. And this was basically another political um, party slash coalition, I guess you could say. And both of these, as in terms of speaking with the PPP as well as the PMLN, were in contention with each other. Um, And this was around the time that Budo really made a lot of international presence for herself, especially when dealing with foreign investment. And foreign investment is pretty straightforward. It's basically what it sounds like. It's usually more developed, wealthier nations um, investing money economically into less developed nations to both, you know, increase um, the standard of living in that country, as well as also oftentimes that developed developing country's dependency on the more developed country. Um, but anyway, so foreign investment in the country of Pakistan did increase, and through this, she was able to implement various social programs. Um, similar to anti-poverty programs that we see abroad. She also found an important ally in the president. And this was really different from her previous term as prime minister because um, obviously the previous president had basically filed the charges of corruption against her, which was part of the reason why she had to leave office. But this time, um, the new president, president, President Ligari, was also a member of the PPP, so they were of the same party. But regardless of this political unity at the higher level, Pakistan still continued to experience a very, very unstable economy, and ultimately a decline in law and order, leading to a lot of charges of corruption that would further follow down the line. However, um, We obviously know that Benazir Bhutto has dealt with quite a few scandals in terms of her family life, and this second term was definitely not different. Um, This time, her brother accused her husband of corruption, and this obviously was in the public eye for a variety of reasons. But ultimately, this ended up in Budo losing a lot of public confidence and really a public mandate. And remember that this was amidst all of her political and economic struggles as prime minister. So this scandal just really added some fuel to the fire. Ultimately, President Ligari ended up dismissing her government once again in November of 1996. So as I mentioned a little bit earlier, Budo, when she was defeated in the 1990 elections, found herself in court, defending herself against many, many charges of misconduct and corruption while she served as prime minister. However, at the same time, regardless of these corruption charges, she did still continue to be a very prominent force of the opposition. And obviously, she ended up regaining office, so her popularity during her entire terms as prime minister, as well as that little um, 
period of time in between really fluctuated a lot. Um, charges of corruption really were not that uncommon at the time in Pakistan, um, not only dealing with Benazir Bhutto, but also with a lot of its other national leaders. Um, she actually ended up serving three years in prison, or she was sentenced to three years in prison in 1999 when she was convicted of these corruption charges. Um, but then shortly afterwards, she soon basically left the country of Pakistan and continued to direct her party of the PPP from abroad. And she was eventually reaffirmed as the leader of the party in 2002. So for the next couple of years after that, she would still continue to direct, to direct the party from um, foreign nations. She wasn't actually in the country of Pakistan, but she did end up returning on October 18th of 2007. And this was after the president at the time granted her amnesty on basically all of her corruption charges, allowing her to return back to the country. And this also opened up the potential of a maybe power sharing agreement between the prime minister, um, if she were to get reelected, as well as the president. So right after she returned home, she had a homecoming rally because keep in mind that this was nearly eight years after she originally left the country. So she spent almost a decade in exile. Um, but unfortunately, this homecoming rally was hit by a suicide attack, which killed 136 people. Benazir Bhutto, however, did end up surviving and she did this by ducking down right at the moment of impact um, behind a vehicle. So fortunately, she did survive this attack. However, as I mentioned in the first part of this series, as well as just from general public knowledge, a lot of you probably know that Benazir Bhutto unfortunately did end up being assassinated. And this was just a couple of months later, actually. On December 27th of 2007, Benazir Bhutto was assassinated when her assassin fired shots at her and then pretty much also killed himself shortly after an election campaign rally in a local province. Unfortunately, this attack also took the lives of 28 other people and wounded at least another 100. So Benazir Bhutto's assassination was significant in the way that I think that there were few politicians, female politicians at the time, who were so incredibly in the public eye, not only just locally in her own country of Pakistan, but also internationally. So even though assassinations, especially in countries in um the Middle East or South Asia really aren't that uncommon, unfortunately. Um, this really shook the world because it was just so very much in the public eye. It was on the news. It was basically to this day still relevant because it's just one of the moments in history that, you know, are incredibly significant. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the first episode, um, the motivation that I had for filming this episode, or these two episodes really, on Benazir Bhutto is because of the 
recent assassination of a former Japanese leader, Shinzo Abe. So I think I mentioned this a little bit, but I was actually reading this um, article, I think it was on the Washington Post, about basically assassinations that really rocked the world. And there were obvious ones like um, Shinzo Abe, since that was relatively recent, as well as, you know, JFK, the big ones. But also, this was one of the first ones on the list. And it really shocked me to know that I really knew close to nothing about Benazir Bhutto. And that was really why I wanted to film this episode. Because I think that often, um, especially in nations or um, different regions of the world where women in politics is even more taboo, I guess, or rare than it is, you know, even here in America, where obviously women's political participation is still very much um, disadvantaged and lacking. It's just really, really unfortunate that a lot of these women's stories aren't heard. And, you know, that's the entire point of this podcast, right? Um, the point of this podcast is to make sure that the stories of these women in politics are, you know, they're heard, that they're listened to, that people know about their contributions to society and the political world, and maybe more importantly, that other young girls can look at these historical figures and draw inspiration from it. And I know that today's episode is a little different in the way that um, obviously, a lot of this story is very, very heavy and dark and a little bit tragic, but I think that's also like part of history. Um, I think that the other episodes that I've covered in this podcast have really been kind of lighthearted and very inspirational. And, you know, Benazir Bhutto is inspirational in a lot of ways that are kind of different from that. Her story isn't as lighthearted, you know, it isn't um sun shines and rainbows all the time but it really is something that we can definitely learn from and i think that especially after the assassination of shinzo abe i think that this is a time where we can kind of reflect on these moments in history and you know it's just a time for reflection in a lot of different ways Thank you so, so much for listening to today's episode of the Femme State Podcast, where we discuss historic women in politics who often go unrecognized. If you liked today's episode, make sure to either go check out the first episode on Benazir Bhutto on the podcast, or go listen to any of my other episodes, and you can find this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or a variety of other platforms, really wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in, and see you next time.